It's time for Plan B with Rebecca Davis. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, John. How are you coping? You know, I've, I had a few slumps this week, but now I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm back on top. And yourself? I'm going through a bit of a meh. Mm, mm. I, I, had a, I had a serious wobble last week, was it? Last week, I think. Now I'm in a kind of meh thing where every day is the same, and I'm tired of every day being the same. Um, but at least I get out, so I, I don't take myself too seriously. But that's it. You know, I want to talk about something else other than COVID-19. I want to see faces other than George and Nicola's, pleasing though those faces are in my gaze. Understood, I think, even though they are attractive humans. They're very attractive humans. I want to see you because you've promised that you'll have your hair done before you come into the studio for the first time after this. Yes, a home, a home cut, and that's going to be really something. <laughs> yeah, one of, one of the things I've seen that has made me laugh on the Internet is um, the results of home cuts around the world. Uh, Rebecca, in addition to the uh, text reporting that you're doing for the Daily Maverick, you're also doing podcasts. Yes, so we've launched a Daily Maverick podcast at this time. It's called Don't Shoot the Messenger, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, on the Daily Maverick, on YouTube, and a range of other places. And yes, it's hosted by yours truly. Um, it's still in its early days, so we are, you know, still working things out, but we have four episodes up so far. They are dealing with COVID-19, but we're really trying to find different interesting angles and takes on it. So hopefully it won't be stuff that anyone has heard anywhere else. Do you look forward to doing podcasts about something which is not COVID-19 related? <laughs> you must. I, do, I do, John, but at the same time, you know, like everyone else, when I'm confronted with news that isn't about COVID-19, I find it quite hard to focus. It is just so all-absorbing yeah. that I don't really know if I have the, the bandwidth for much else at the moment. Yeah. Okay, well, get, getting on to coronavirus then. You have been looking at what the opposition political parties have been doing in this space and rating them. Yeah, you know, it's been such an interesting time because I think, as people have pointed out, it really has exposed to some degree the irrelevance of opposition politicians at this time because so many of them really don't have any power. Some are in power in various municipalities or in government in the Western Cape, for instance. But for the rest of it, you know, they really, they just haven't been on our radar. And I have to say, I've found this to be both incredibly refreshing, because it means that we haven't had a lot of the kind of argy-bargy, very heated discourse that's quite toxic a lot of the time. And on the other hand, it's kind of a bit frightening, because you think, you know, these are our paid public representatives, but actually... Do we need them <laughs> in situations of emergency like this? Do we need them at all? Which prompted me to take a look, actually, at what our opposition politicians have been doing. And I'm only assessing them as political parties, so not, for instance, the DA's performance in actual government. And I've graded them accordingly. I only looked at four before my interest ran out, but I'll give you them <laughs> quite quickly. To the DA, I'm assigning the highest mark, which is a B. Because if you look at what they've done, first of all, the, the public re representatives are donating what seems to be the highest amount of any political opposition party, which is 1.5 million from the salaries to the Solidarity Fund. Well done to them. They've been running a COVID-19 channel in which they answer public questions about COVID and safety and health tips and practice. You know, it's sort of like Cape Talk, I imagine, but for DA members, which I think is a genuinely useful public public service. They have been aggressively chasing down fake news, which I think is, again, 
very useful. They have been making, as far as I can see, reasonably useful suggestions when it comes to policies at the moment. And they have also been performing what is obviously the, the prime job of opposition politicians, which is watching the powerful. So, for instance, they were really important in exposing the actions of the Limpopo MEC, who was kind of kidnapping health workers and other distasteful um, actions. Um, I'm not giving them an A only because of being against the extension of lockdown, which I think is, you know, really the only option at this point. A generally adversarial tone still inflects their million press statements today. And there have been certain suggestions they've made that I just am not sure about. For instance, it was suggested in a statement yesterday that hair salons should be able to operate. And I don't know if the DA's small business spokesperson has ever had a haircut, but as far as I can see, that is one of the industries which requires the most physical contact. So I can't see how that would work. But all in all, I think a good performance from the DA. Solid B. Moving now to the IFP, the Inkata Party, who I have given a C to. IFP is going to contribute half a million rand from its public representative salaries to the Solidarity Fund over three months, which I think is impressive. It's quite a small party as well. They too have put out public statements correcting misinformation, which is useful. They've also been carrying out practical things like monitoring SASA pay points to make sure that public that grants are being paid on time and that queues aren't building up. And they were also ahead of the curve as, I could, as far as I could see in terms of worrying about what would happen to homeless people during lockdown. So they have shot the lights out, but I think the IFP has been reasonably creditable and that's why they get a C. The Freedom Front Plus has scraped a D, although I could be persuaded to turn it into an E. What it has done that has been useful, it intervened with the Department of Public Works over quarantine facilities. So there were cases where the quarantine facilities where people were being held were really apparently very inadequate. And apparently they were able to get the Minister Patricia DeLille to step in quite rapidly. So good work on both counts there. They've also launched a project inviting input from small business owners to reimagine the business climate after COVID, which seems reasonably useful. However, I'm deleting quite a lot of marks. First of all, because they have refused to contribute to the Solidarity Fund because it seems of BEE. They won't they won't support anything which has the slightest smack of BEE about it. So it does they do say their MPs are contributing to smaller relief efforts in their individual capacities. And then also today I see that Freedom Front Plus's representatives are currently tweeting up a storm of support in endorsement of Donald Trump's decision to slash WHO funding, which I also think is sort of unforgivable at this time. And then bringing up the rear is the economic freedom fighters, who I'm giving an E to. And the reason they're not failing is because they have decided to contribute 33% of all MP and public representative salaries to the Solidarity Fund. They have also been running an online book club where leaders are discussing various seminal African political texts, which I suppose is perhaps useful-ish, although, of course, all texts fall within the EFF's personal political ideology, so a bit self-serving. However, I think where they've been most unhelpful is continuing to churn out the most divisive political statements, you know, still railing against Praveen Gordon. They've called Johan Rupert extraordinary act of philanthropy, a loan shark scheme. And also what I found really distasteful, John, is that they've put out these lavish statements mourning the passing of Bill Withers 
and the old jazz cat, what's his name, Marsalis Jr., American musicians, but I've yet to see a single statement from them mourning the passing of South Africans who have unfortunately died as a result of COVID. So for all those reasons, the EFF gets my lowest mark, an E. And uh, talking about fake news, which you said both the IFP and the DA were doing a good job in trying to counter Several times I've sort of taken a deep breath and said, shall I have a go at the 5G phobics? Then I thought, no, what's the point? Because I'm not going to change their mind. But you want to have a go? I mean, I, this week has been one of the many times in this pandemic that I've been really glad I don't live in the supposed rich world because of what we're seeing in Britain where people are attacking telecommunications networks now because of this infernal myth that 5G has something to do with coronavirus. And if you are a Cape Talk listener who has even vaguely indulged in speculation on this, please, will you stop it immediately? I think the problem is that so few of us, myself included, understand anything about what 5G is really. But I've been doing as much reading as I can. It seems that what freaks people out about 5G, basically, is that it requires more base towers closer together. So the additional kind of physical evidence of those network towers are making people feel uneasy, although that's not the case in South Africa, obviously, but where it is has been rolled out. But the the notion that there's any link between 5G and coronavirus is so patently absurd because of the simple fact that viruses cannot be generated by electromagnetic radiation. Neither can protein shells of virus hijack waves in the air or anything of that sort. It is just nonsense. And if you want proof that this is nonsense, there is other equipment which has been around for decades which uses the same radiomagnetic frequency as 5G. So if you are fortunate enough to have a posh car, for instance, which has that parking distance sensor which beeps to let you know when you're close to another car, that is effectively the same technology as 5G. And if you have not yet developed coronavirus or cancer from that, then I think it is quite clear that perhaps your your chances of doing so from 5G are also quite limited. There's been no evidence of any cancer development from 5G, let alone coronavirus. And the, the evidence that seems to be put forward about 5G is that Wuhan, the city of Wuhan was an early adopter of 5G. And what do you know? Wuhan was the original hot zone for coronavirus. But Loads of other Chinese cities were also early adopters of 5G and were not nearly as hard hit as Wuhan. And besides, the whole country has basically now been taken off lockdown. And it seems that this all started when a Belgian doctor made a video in January spreading this myth. And from there, it sort of exploded. But I'm really glad to see, John, that YouTube has now decided it's going to start cracking down on any content linking 5G and COVID-19 or coronavirus because it is just bollocks and please can we spread that word yeah (laughs) i'm the one who's going to get the emails you know not you (laughs) (laughs) and godspeed with that (laughs) can you rip in an apple in half with your bare hands rebecca no but this is one of the many tasks i'm working on mastering during lockdown so there's been a lot of talk about how you should be improving yourself in this period you should be learning a language You should be meditating every day. I say, no, this is the perfect time to master 
any number of brilliant party tricks with which to woo your friends should they be alive at the end of the pandemic. So one of them is the ability to tear an apple in two with your bare hands. You can find many YouTube tutorials guiding you how to do this. Apparently, it's very simple. I'm very good at it. Can you do it? Yeah, I had a a very minor ethical debate earlier today um, because I thought, do I go to a shop to buy an apple to prove to Rebecca that I can do it because I'll do it on camera here in the studio? Then I thought Mm. that's hardly an essential good. So I... I lost that ethical debate with myself. <laughs> but we take it on trust that you can, in fact, yes. do this. Yes. I believe the trick is to follow the hollow of the apple, its natural uh, grain, so to speak. I have to believe it is possible because in addition to you, my 76-year-old aunt did it yesterday. So that's one of the tricks I'm going to be mastering. Another one I'm working on at this time is whistling through your fingers to attract someone's attention. If you've never mastered that, I think now is the time to do it. Here's another good one. If you blow on the exact center of an egg, apparently you can make it flip over in a shot glass. Look it up online, step-by-step guidance. Another brilliant trick. With a few strategic cuts to an A4 sheet of paper, you can make a piece of paper big enough to step through. You can even do this to a postcard if you know how to cut it. So you should bet someone a billion rand, ideally a hundred, but if you can do this and then send them video evidence. Here's another one. Drop a drop of juice from an orange peel onto a balloon and it pops. If you can seal the peel, you can make it seem like you're waving your hand. That is a guaranteed crowd pleaser. And finally, John, if you have root vegetables lying around the house, but a displeasing lack of musical instruments, you can make a recorder out of a carrot. Now, many people think that recorders are bad enough as recorders, let alone when you fashion them from vegetables. But if you have time and inclination, you simply drill your way through the carrot. Again, look it up online and cut various little holes for your thumbs and voila, a carrot recorder with which you can enchant your whole household with rudimentary tunes. And uh, I will say goodbye, Rebecca, after this from uh, a listener. Oh, no, now I have to get rid of the reverse beep jobby on my car. Thanks for nothing, Rebecca. You must blow up that car immediately.